0: That's a four-legged man. Four-legged man. Walking down the street. Yeah, he's practice. coming towards us. What's he gonna say? I don't know. He's but got a bag of M&M's. When he does, I wanna know if he's, he's coming son- my
1: way. a bag of M&M's. Alright? There's five colors, at least, green,
0: red. Um, so, welcome to a Roll Call. We are... Adam Cushman and Raúl Julia, respectively, the four-legged man. And I just
1: came up with that, and I want I want to be
0: credited. Adam gets writing credit for that, but for hosting, we both get equal credit because we are the host. We are not the hosts; we are the host We're the of host, the roll call podcast. That's right. <laughs> so, welcome to the show. Welcome to the program again. This is episode nine. Number nine. We're going to do 10 like Tarantino, and then we're done. We're done. (laughs) No, that's not true. Keep listening to more episodes to come. We have some exciting prospects for our 10th episode. And uh, I just quickly wanted to mention, uh, I quickly wanted to revert back to our last episode. We talked to Tom Bauer. I mentioned... The films of Werner Herzog, who Tom worked with, and uh, I didn't. I'd I'd wanted to mention that, like all of Werner Herzog's movies right now, are free to watch on Tubi TV. I'm not going to get into why there would be obvious reasons for me to plug uh, Tubi TV, but uh, yeah, they're they're on there. So if anybody's interested, go watch those because. Uh, His films are awesome. So our guest today is none other than the illustrious Stephen Og. His reputation precedes him. He's been in. Honestly, he's kind of a big deal. In the world of gaming, he's Grand Theft Auto V, Trevor from Grand Theft Auto V, Simon on The Walking Dead. I mean, this guy was really pretty awesome to get to talk to him
1: yeah he's a really cool dude i think the first thing i saw him in ever was the walking dead which as we discussed was a show i had not seen Uh, and i actually haven't seen the first six seasons i don't remember which season is the negan season where he starts and then he brains the guys in the beginning
0: the end of season six into yeah
1: well that's where i started and i started because I, i did a movie with xander berkeley who Played Gregory on the show and I wanted to see what he was doing and then I got kind of hooked and I still am I kind of
0: still watch it oh it's great also those things I mentioned Grand Theft Auto and Walking Dead barely talked about them at all (laughs) on the podcast so guys here's the thing we like to get into who these people are as actors as people what they're really into Stephen Hogg's done a million interviews about Grand Theft Auto and Walking Dead. We're not the place you're going to hear about that. If it gets a little dark, sometimes that's that's life. That's <laughs> we're talking to a human being. This show, you're going to get to know Stephen Ogg, the man, the actor. What he's really into? Guess what? Theater. You know, that's where actors can go and like feel at home and get inspired. So we talked about theater with him. We talked about I mean, hilarious, a super funny guy. Um, I was laughing pretty much the whole time. Oh, uh, we giggle a lot, in this, and uh, in this yeah, you'll hear that. You'll hear my my giggles and my my yes. But say, he's, yeah, he's
1: uh, done some terrific <laughs> film work. I mean, he's he's mostly known for his television um, roles, which you you pointed out. But in researching him for the show, I got to see and sort of do a lot of his his films in which he's starred or co-starred and he's you know clearly able you know he's clearly a leading man and, and can carry a film as you saw in Solace I was really blown away by some of his short films which most of which are available on YouTube or Vimeo you should check out in particular a short he did called Disgrace which is I believe free on YouTube uh, it's also on Amazon I believe for free as well um, there's one called Out There which was beautifully shot that's on Vimeo and several others, if you were just to look on his IMDb and then uh, put the title into YouTube and his name will come up.
0: Yeah, and just to talk to him about where he, where, where he wants to go, where he sees himself going as an actor, what he really wants to do. It's really heartening to talk to an actor who's been in these big projects and could kind of be like, well, I'm working, I'm feeling good, uh, I like doing these TV shows. Now nah, he, he wants to keep pushing himself He's a real seeker. He's always looking to develop himself. They're the real deal. So, enjoy, Stephen O.
2: It's always been, always will be the words, right? That's your job. It's not just say the words, but it's communicate those words. And that's where like, you know, Xander, I mean, Xander Berkeley and I connected on The Walking Dead on a professional level to begin, obviously, because we both have this crazy old school fucking acting thing of listening mm-hmm. and responding, but getting the person to hear it, communicating the words. So every take can be different. Xander and I would have such a blast because we could play we trusted each other because we knew where you know we were coming from, but it is even, I think when people watch things and they don't know why someone is good, aside from it makes them feel something, a lot of it, I can break it down to the simplicity of it's because they're asking the question or they're really answering. Oh yeah. They're being truthful to the words. Yeah. And most of the time, a lot of acting uh, is so surfacy and it's, Your people aren't behind what they're saying, they're on top of it. Yeah, and it's a very simple thing that is incredibly hard for a lot of people because then there's also then you factor in with a lot of actors, and maybe it's because I look this way, so I can't worry about being vain because I don't have to concern myself about looking good or pretty. Like, this is not my face, you know. So, some people that are born with some gorgeous genetic thing. I guess you do become more self-conscious of your looks possibly, but you know, we know these actors that tend to be more concerned sometimes with how they look and not just physically, but also how they're coming across, which was this whole oh, fucking thing of actors. you know what I'm talking about? Yes. <laughs> and even like I've sat in a bigger room than this with a table and There's this, first of all, I find this volume to be pretty low just in this room and we're all close to each other. Yeah. So how are you doing this if I'm across the room, you know, Mm. because I can't even hear you. So I believe in, you know, the reality is you're going to speak depending on the distance or if you're outside and, but I'm surprised how that doesn't happen a lot yeah, yeah
0: i just saw a movie where where some guy it's a it was a western some guy is standing in a doorway talking to you the, the some the sheriff he's outside and uh guy's talking like that talking that softly it's like we got to go round him up and go go get him and do this and you're like you're outside and there are horses well there's no way
2: in reality realistically anybody would have heard. And it's weird. Like, I don't know why this began or why, like I like to, and it's generally a thing with, I think a lot of the characters I play um, are out there more. And it's, it's more because I just like to be like, I'm an animated person. So animated people exist. So you can be an animated actor your face can move like, you know, I mean, you look at, like look at De Niro's resting De Niro face. That's yeah. a bizarre thing, right? Resting
0: De Niro face. Resting. I love that De Niro.
2: It. I mean, I just watched The Irishman.
0: It is. Yeah, yeah. It is what it is. That's what did it everyone something. see this? Yeah, <laughs> a
2: couple times. I did. Really? So should we segue right into this? Let's talk about that. Okay. Sure. Sure. Okay. So, right. what'd you think? I thought You really saw it awesome. twice, so. Yeah.
1: It's dense, man. It's a dense flick. <laughs> like,
2: it, I, I felt you like. watched it th- through the three and a half. Like, twice.
1: It's, it's oh. a return. For me, it's a return to the types of movies like Goodfellas where automatically Agreed. out of the gate, people were quoting it. People like, you know, everyone's like, it, it's what it is all over the place. It's what it is. Um iconic character like this whispers guy like there's a couple others i can think of there's a lot going on man there's he's i mean he's we all knew i mean he's scorsese's next level but this is such a advanced piece i feel like like there's so much going on you get so much in there
2: you know one of the things
1: i liked about it was that scene um when he's bringing the truck down to florida and then howard hunt meets him And Howard Hunt was this CIA agent who in real life confessed on his deathbed to killing Kennedy, to being the third shooter, for real. So it's not a mistake that he put that scene in. There's no other reason for that scene to even be there, really, because it's kind of like a non sequitur.
2: Wow. The American actors have never been ones that I've gravitated towards. And I don't know if that's because I'm a foreigner. I don't think so. Who do you gravitate to? Who are you? Which is horrible. And I'd like to talk more about the Irishman, because I have some other things that I just don't get. Yeah. yeah. What happens is when you do not that this is doing press, but when you do press for shows and, and you do tour, like you, you the comic cons and you're giving interviews, I, I tended to stick with one answer. And I think I might've even convinced myself that this is the right answer, <laughs> which I, I, I still is. He's uh, Peter Mullen is, is always my, my name is Joe. I love that movie. Man. And Tyrannosaur, oh yeah, that's, um, Patty Constantine wrote it and directed it. Tyrannosaur has a scene, which is not a spoiler, but for me, this is why he is my up top. Cause nobody does drunk or alcoholic better. I think than Peter Mullen, like is so raw and so visceral and, oh, he's just incredible. And those dark eyes, like that's, what's haunting to me about Peter Mullen is he's got black eyes kind of again he plays you know a a man with a bit of a short fuse and and a drinking problem he's drinking he ties his little pea liquor dog out front pea liquor dog being just a smaller dog and i don't know why i refer to them as pea liquors because i think even a big dog can be a pea liquor sure but i'm talking more of the small little pea liquors those you know just tiny little things but this one was cute. It was a cute liquor. And it was outside uh, the pub. And uh, it's just an establishing shot of dog outside pub. Peter in bar drinking, you know, getting a little surly. Comes out of the door. The dog's whining and crying a little bit or whatever. And he's like, oh, shut up, you fucking. Idiot. And keeps whining and you'll fuck off. And he kicks it. This is his dog. He kicked it. And the dog dies like he kicked it hard enough it's on the ground it's It's drawing you know looking at his dog he just kicked and killed bends down picks it up in his hands turns and just starts walking and the shot is then you know just him tracking and walking away up the street this is the beginning of the movie It's a comedy, Um, (laughs) (laughs) but you feel bad for him. Mm. Wow. What the fuck? Mm -hmm. Like that's wow. Why? And therein lies the brilliance of how he can make you feel for him. My name is Joe. Similar in some things and it's not always in necessarily the story it's his the 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 power of um, how he communicates pain is is on multiple levels and i think that is again almost like sometimes people can't tell what why someone is such a good actor not because they can you know be a daniel day-lewis or change characters but because they're just really speaking and communicating yeah just um, present Just Just really
1: committing to it. Like Um, you said, they have something underneath beyond just the words
2: that layers it. A life, which I guess would be sort of circling around to like the the idea of vulnerability and and being someone raw, uh, you know, uh, whether it assists in acting or just allows more of that life to be going on because I never understood, you know, it's all in the eyes. Did you do theater before you started do you yeah, t- film and TV? I did. And my Canada. friend, actually, just around the corner, I was stopping by because we we're going to read Red tomorrow because we're both talking about maybe the spring, summer next year because I think I'm going to change my look next year quite drastically. And although I am not, like, I know when Melina did it, he was bald, shaved his head. Uh, I'm not Rothconian in size cause Rothko is quite round, but again, I don't believe that should fucking matter. Yeah. Um, but it's a great, it's a great two-hander and, yeah. and friend and I are talking and actually another, we were also talking about lonesome West. I wanted to reboot that, but at like red cat to do it, bit multimedia have like film. Like I like favorite theaters or St. Ann's warehouse in New York. Great space. Park Armory. Uh, and I love Red Cat here. I like theater to be, um, you know, like what they do at Park. You know, the, like the life and death of Marina Abramovich mm-hmm. was one of the favorite things. Like Willem Dafoe in that was was brilliant. Or when I saw Bobby Canvale do the Hairy Ape at Park Armory. All right. Yeah. I wanted to see that. Um, to see that. I've seen, like a, seen so many versions of Miss Julie uh, and recently saw... What was the Brazilian troupe that came into Red Cat a year ago and they did it was based loosely, if you will, on Chekhov's Three Sisters? Does anyone know about huh. this? No, that sounds familiar, but I don't it was know. fucking brilliant. It was two yeah. theaters oh. and it was uh five, five hours or four and a half, five hours. Not as bad as like Robert LePage, you know, six six-day theatrical event. I love that. But it was, you, you had, you got a red or a blue or whatever. There was two theaters. What you would do is you'd go first watch the, the, the theater version based on the three sisters being that it was the celebration, the birthday, the three sisters. That was, but this was also in Portuguese. So it had subtitles in the theater, which is kind of little disconcerting a bit, you know, cause you want to watch the play, but you're looking up. Anyways, you went through this entire, and they had video cameras set up like this and they would take them into the audience. And when everyone was having wine, they invited, you know, people from the audience, you were sort of involved somewhat in it. uh, And there was always people taking cameras and moving them because it was a birthday party and they were documenting the celebration and it all sort of made sense. Well, what was happening? So then you, it, two and a half hours or whatever it was, it. You know, yeah. it's finished Then you go out and you know, there's a 20 minute break and they do it again, but you switch theaters. And now the other theater is the live movie version that they're real time editing of the theater production going on that they're doing next door. So all those cameras that all of a sudden you see on the screen, oh my God, I didn't even notice that in the theater, there's a little tiny house and it's the three sisters house, but there was a camera on it that on the screen looks like the house. And all of the different angles, and it was interesting the comparison of like there was, you know, the uh, you know, a sex, if you will, scene which sex in the theater is always it takes it takes me out. It makes me uncomfortable, yeah like nudity, and like I saw the worst productions ever of my fucking life, which made me just the star fucking system was completely on show, Cat on a hot tin roof in London. With um, Sienna Miller and uh, Jack uh, oh, Irish. I know his name. Yeah. He was in Startup, Jack O'Connell. O'Connell. Yeah. Jack Fantastic. O'Connell. Yeah. Uh, and also Cole Meany. Hmm. So, wow, what a cast, right? You'd think. Doing Tennessee Williams with 7,000 different accents. Yeah. That's... It was all over the place. It was such mm-hmm. a mess and it was a modern stage, but point being with that is he was naked for the first 30 minutes. Really? Just everything. And I find it very, it, it yeah. takes me out of it. And then, but watching the film version of when they were rolling around naked, okay. it was so interesting because then you watch the film version next door and it was sensual and yeah. it was like yeah. exotic, but watching that on stage was just, not appealing. The
1: accent thing is rough too. I mean, like I saw, um, killer Joe recently in London and it was, Oh, with, um, Orlando Bloom.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was there during that time. Sorry, did you see it? I didn't cause that was at Trafalgar studios. Wasn't it?
1: Yes, it was exactly. Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, and the acting is terrific. I mean, everyone's terrific, but it's this accent. It's almost like a new accent is created when they try to do the particular region of the South. Or any particular region of the South, really. There's some actors who can do it flawlessly, like um, the the uh, McDonough movie. Through Arm McDonough and Bruges, or uh, yeah, Three billboards, three billboards. Actors in that yeah. who are doing it, um, but it's an art. I mean, to to do that accent perfectly is an art. So I'm like, why not just go with it? Why not work with what you have? You know what I mean? And make your own doesn't necessarily have to take place in West Virginia. You know, you yeah. can adapt wherever you want. Just use what you what you. Have that's working.
2: Much better because it would not take you then out of it because you're distracted, exactly. which feeds into me. The Irishman, my thing with that mm-hmm. that took me out is the CGI and the young making them younger took me out. And they did you watch the conversation after the four of them? Uh like the, the There's a little bit uh, after it's a talk back with Scorsese, no, De Niro, I Pesci, and Pacino. Age. And they point out which we found. To be the case that took us out of that movie was, uh, and he says actually, Scorsese mentions the first scene with Pacino was where they're with the family and he's Kennedy's being elected, and he's like, Oh, you know, now, I, hate I hate the Kennedys. Kennedys, they're you know, whatever. And he gets up and leaves the room. Mm-hmm. Scorsese, that was the first scene he was doing with Pacino, who he obviously admired oh, and respected and was excited worked. to work uh, with him. With And he said, so they did the take and he, you know, stood up and left. And then the, I think it was the DP came up to Scorsese and said, Pacino is supposed to be, his character Hoffa is supposed to be 49 in this scene. Pacino got up like 70 year old man. So Scorsese said, you can fucking tell him. (laughs) And, uh, so he did, he went over at the Scorsese did go over and he says, you know, where this is a thing where he's 49 and you looked at us." so then I guess the joke is every take uh, Pacino would then say it's 52. Yeah. <laughs> here's here's the 55 version. Yeah. But that threw me off too, because there were, especially with the CGI, the forties, they were still moving like they were 70 and in the talk back, they actually said like Pesci said, you know, thanks to to De Niro. Cause he was really on the ball with that as to, what age we are. Cause even coming down the stairs, like Tanero said, you know, you're at 45, even there's a bit of a pep More to it. Amounts. <laughs> and so it was interesting, but that actually took me out of the film a lot. It I was so fucking, out, yeah. and his blue contact lenses drove me nuts. Yeah. No, I didn't know. They reminded me
1: of black mass. I didn't like that at all. But I, mm-hmm. I mean, I was forgiving of it, I think because like in the beginning, when it started, when I first saw it, I felt the same way, and I'm watching like there's no way I can I can suspend my disbelief for three and a half hours this way. But I did I, for some reason it just started to work, and even like consciously I'm thinking in the middle of the film like you're supposed to be watching a 35 year old man right now, and he's clearly like in his late 70s. Scorsese is like the only director who can get away with that shit. I feel like, because even if you go back to Goodfellas and you look at Goodfellas, remember when you first meet De Niro's character, he's like, yeah, he was just 29 at the time. He was, you know, hotshot, blah, blah, blah. You just kind of suspend
0: for whatever reason, knowingly. Well, and it's an experiment that he was allowed to do with this
2: film because this is going to be happening more and more. Well, we made the point, the shitty point, there's already every fuck the same fucking actors doing everything yeah. Movies, TV, and I won't name names because we see them over and over and over and over. And so with the CGI technology and making them younger, great. Now those same fucking people are going to be working for the can next you, fifty fucking years James think think of, about to be. Yeah,
0: can you think of a bigger yeah. fuck you to actors nowadays than putting James Dean in a casting James Dean
2: yeah. who's dead? Why was he like? Why are we seeing the same? people and why can't we suspend disbelief like i would much rather have like let's say killer joe with orlando bloom do your accent man i don't i'd rather you feel comfortable in your skin it's my friend uh, eddie my friend has one leg lost it when he was like five years old and he's never used a prosthetic um salt of the earth long island guy just fucking awesome one leg is an actor you're the vet you're the iraqi you're the the homeless guy with one leg you're the it's always things like this which even like walking with him in new york you know people will be like thank you for your service but so all of these things on on 911 he's a therapist because we're like why can't you be the boyfriend or the husband like why does it matter and i wish one leg a man a woman black chinese gay straight I said, who, who fucking cares if it's a love story and it's and two uh, men audition for the part or read for the part and they ex- first of all they communicate those words and they reflect the love of the story if it's a love story whatever it is two men two women yeah. like it could be anyone it should be the best person for the Absolutely. job and and so he plays the third but still it was interesting because they still put him in a in a wheelchair. Which mm. I told Eddie, I was like, fuck though. They still put you in a fucking wheelchair. So you're still a handicap therapist. And then what they did, it's a Ryan Murphy show. I mean, Angela Bassett, Peter Krause. Cause I don't watch TV. I, I don't, I just don't have TV. I watch the Netflix and I yeah, watch yeah. the, I try to watch things. Not network. yeah. But I don't watch any network. Um, I never watch the walking dead. I don't watch shows I'm on. I just, cause the only time I see it is in a hotel. Generally when mm. I scroll up hundred and hundred and two. And then I turn it off and read a book. Yeah. It's just not, I, I, I'm an actor cause I love to act and perform. Not because I need to watch it. You know what I'm saying? Sure. That's right. the, the craft of it and the doing of it more than the seeing yeah. of it. So you started doing theater in, in Canada before you, moved. as a child, I did theater, and I haven't done theater in like 20 years it scares the shit out of me. And I don't even know if I'm smart enough anymore. Like Ed Harris, I saw him in London do Buried Child. Mm. Um, he's doing the show. Like I'm like, I'm, I'm, I am so admire that he can still memorize a full play. Like, I honestly don't know if I can. Like, uh, it freaks me out. I'm sure I could. It's a muscle that I need to retrain, but I miss it to fucking death like that's so I was in London for meetings with Trafalgar and these different studios it you know, went nowhere, any of these talks, but it was about getting back into theater because especially with the shows, I've been very fortunate to be on some of these large shows. You don't always feel like an actor. Ensemble pieces. You're there Mm -hmm. for you're a piece. Uh, And and you get to, you know, I I like to do as much as I can with whatever I'm given and make it as interesting as possible and and feed some sort of narrative, but it's an ensemble. Um, And as we know, Actors can be really terrible and still look good, or you could be really good and still look terrible. Film TV is not an actor's medium. Um, you do what you can and leave the room theater you're good or you're bad. And maybe part of it is because maybe I don't know if I'm good anymore as an actor, that. but you know, I can't think of many people, And this is coming from a place of someone who was crying this morning. So I don't want this to sound like I have an enormous ego. I have both. That's why I've survived this much in in the business, because you have to believe that you're something special. But again, I say that coming from someone who's, you know, crying, who still has a puffy face from, from, I probably cried cycling here. Another <laughs> great side story watching Peter, quick story, <laughs> the peanut butter falcon falcon. I don't can't say oh, that. Oh, I want to see that. I haven't seen it yet. Okay. So we're sitting there and, and said, to my friend I said, okay, let's have a bet. Who's going to cry first. And she of course rolled her eyes and said, well, we, we know that's going to be already. <laughs> As I cry like cry I'm like okay let's just but let's just play along it started and then 5 minutes in I'm crying she looks over at me she's like why are you fucking crying nothing's happened and nothing <laughs> had happened yet and i said well a i'm preparing for the big cry which will inevitably happen and b i won the bet so <laughs> yeah it to win it, it, to win it. Yeah. Um, but theater is you know for that i I, w- I want to i know i'm good given an opportunity but i'd sure like to have an opportunity to just for my own sense of, of be good, like to do something that's fucking good yeah. and to, to go, to challenge myself. It's just the, the idea though, of just doing like a little black box theater production, just doesn't appeal to me. I'm, I'm rather a go big or go home type of guy. And I, that's why red cat doing a production there. But then again, that's booked a year in advance and park armory. I don't even know I, everything I've done in, in my career is, is essentially nowhere that I want to be Even today, Hmm. I'm the life and death of Marina Abramovich. These productions, um, those appeal to me. I've always wanted to do that. Artsy fartsy, call it what you will. Those always appeal to me. Those things excite me. Um, Those things I want, even in films. I mean, like Peanut Butter, Falcon Falcon, Sweet Story, resonated so much in me. Yesterday, I loved Danny Boyle's new film loved it. I didn't see that either. Loved it. Ball, you know, on a plane, bawling my eyes out, which again, like God cry, baby. Yeah, I am.
1: I I made the mistake of watching lion on the plane. Oh, fucking destroyed
2: me. Right. That was rough. Yeah. In a beautiful way. Yeah. That kicked my ass. But those things like compared to something like, and then we'll get back to theater because I think that's what we're trying to talk about compared to like the Joker. Walking Phoenix, brilliant, great performance. I enjoyed the thing. You know, were there problems with it? The story, like, sure. For what it was, I enjoyed it. Maybe it's the place I'm at in my life, but it doesn't resonate with me. You know, I get the taxi driver of this. I think it was this. This it was a character study of how someone goes tick tick boom, going postal, right? Yeah. Um. But would I say no to that? Well, no, not any more than I'd say no to The Walking Dead or Westworld or Snowpiercer. I, I'm going to do it, but it's nothing that you know, gets me. mm, Yeah. That I want to do talking about theater. I come alive, you know, David Morrissey and I would have wonderful chats about theater. Um, and when I went to London, I would go see, you know, I saw the ferryman and I don't have a bucket list as an actor, but I do believe, and I really must do before, uh, my, uh, I shouldn't say untimely passing because then that means I'm going to die soon. Yeah. So ideally not. That because that's something you write when someone dies too soon, right? The untimely passing. Even just the regular probably always feels untimely, no matter (laughs) what. The perfect time death of Stephen (laughs) R. Yeah, couldn't have been better timing. Mm, Society had hit a low, and we thought it was time to say goodbye to this crass fucking cunt of a man. Uh, Excuse my language. But Jez Butterworth's Jerusalem. Yeah, I want to do Johnny Rooster Byron.
0: You bet. That's a
2: role you'd be great at. Yeah, yeah, it's great role. Buddy uh, Kim Cotes did it in Toronto.
0: Oh, really? Did he do it?
2: And I never got to go up and see it there. But great play. I saw Mark. I mean, Mark relance is the only time in New York. I don't know if you have it here. You can go into the Drama Library, the New York Drama Library and watch any play, they record them all. But you're in, like that dentist's office, you're in 1970, they have monitors with those shitty old, maybe it's changed now, but the shitty old Walkman thing, (laughs) you can hear everything, it doesn't even barely fit. Yeah. That three and a half hour performance on a shitty monitor wearing shitty Walkman is still captivating. I saw it, I saw it live
0: incredible that scene at the end where he's playing the drum (sighs) you hear the giant's footsteps coming that was no that's imprinted in my brain that's a transformative moment
2: watching theater right there that performance Uh, I need to to do it again and again I was in London because I was really wanting to do a play there just because I want to go live in Europe again yeah. I miss it. America has been wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, is this on? Thank you. Thank you, America. You've been beautiful. Uh, it has been. The, the country has been incredible for me, for what it's done for me. Um, but I miss Europe. And like I'm working in Canada now and I realize how much I miss my, my homeland. Yeah. It's just a different, it's just different. You know, and I'm, I'm very Canadian at heart. And this is not to mean, you know, I'll be, well, we'll get out. You don't like our fucking country. Then leave. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Go Trump. <laughs> you get out of there? I'm not saying that I'm just fucking, saying there's things I miss. I miss the culture. I miss. Yeah.
0: Watch a movie you did that's shot in Yorkshire. I believe in
2: England, uh, solace oh yeah oh was yeah. that shot in england I didn't know. yeah we, we shot that in a the studio end. that was so yeah. much fun in new yorkshire so beautiful like uh, you, oh, uh, you, you, in christmas time oh wow if you ever need a fairy tale go there at christmas it's cobblestone streets donkeys selling mistletoe like on the street with you know i and you know, with a top hat on and Merry Christmas, one and all. And you round around the corner and then there's little kids. It gentlemen. What the fuck? And like, it's literally and lights everywhere and the snow is constantly following at the perfect angle and oh, it's great. it's the most magical place. But that, I mean, that was fun. That was, there was a movie that like, it didn't turn out how I would have Especially being a producer on it, I would have done things differently. Mm. Uh, but you know, first-time filmmaker, and wow. I, I just, I enjoyed again. I enjoyed being the only one. Yeah, wanted to all ask you. you about that. That's
1: cool because I, I couldn't have never done anything even close to that. It couldn't imagine it was either extremely fun or extremely annoying. Being the only person, loved it. That's
2: awesome especially because I'm on shows where I'm, you know, number 302 on the call sheet or, yeah. um, you know, I just keep saying, okay, no more ensembles. All I want to do is like two or three person, which hence the theater too, where it's just a small thing I want to do as opposed to, and I loved it. I loved the pressure. I'm, you know, I loved being, it was me and I loved being, you know, waking up, I got so fucking sick there once and like a horrible, like waking up, like soaking the bed and knowing you got to get up and work at 6 a.m. It's just you. I yeah. love that. I love that pressure. I love that challenge. And I actually, I'm better and I thrive better in that than like on an ensemble having two lines. I don't know what to do with that. I'm just like. It's like exposition. Yeah. Sure,
1: no, for sure. But I mean, what's it, what's your approach to it when, I mean, like obviously there's no one to bounce off of, mm-hmm. or is maybe that's not true, but it, you know, seemingly if you're acting,
2: I mean, you've got the voiceover, you've got the, when she was in the to. booth, they did sort of what, um, Spike Jones did with her. They had, uh, at the time it wasn't, it wasn't Scarlett Johansson that did the original voice. It was, uh, Emily Watson or someone. It was a British girl oh, really? who was the voice that was in a booth. So Joaquin was, having someone to actually dialogue with. I had that too. Okay. In the studio, there was a uh, Allison uh, who's a wonderful actress and, and she was there every day to run lines and to say it. So I had someone to feed off, but that was, you know, that, that was an, uh, not easy, but I was, and again, I guess when we, we go back to this idea of who you are as a person being emotionally raw, it was, you know, um, it was the journey of a man saying goodbye. You know, he'd said goodbye to his son in a sense and uh, his, his wife. And this was a man coming face to face with his death. Yeah. Um, what do we do in that case? Uh, and so that was, there was always, I'd wake up just... <laughs> Like a cat, I was so excited to like, okay, where do I get to go today? Because it can always change from day to day even though if the movie's in real time, it was in a real time, you know, one hour type of thing within one hour, you can feel 6,000 different ways, especially when it comes to facing your death, I would imagine. Yeah. So therefore I put myself in that situation. I'm not a method actor. I'm not, you know, it's not like when I left, I was like, nobody talked to me. <laughs> no, I was like, I need a good beer. Yeah. You do your work and you leave, and you know. But it's fun as fuck to explore that and to be the only one. Like that's that's again. I love that that pressure. Yeah, yeah. I thought you, I
0: really enjoyed your performance in it, and yeah, you carried the film really well. Oh, sure. Yeah, thanks. What I noticed, you're you're doing this um, from the time you wake up. You start breathing, and you're literally. You're actually, you know, controlling your breathing, working,
2: uh, on you know, staying calm and it's something they're trained to do like astronauts and yeah. people go into space. And I would read a lot of those books oh, okay. and that's something that you're trained to do wow. because you have to right? You're otherwise, you, you, yeah, you panic, just, you freak out. That's, you, that's you, not your why you're there. Are numb. You, have a, you have a real panic attack. You can't functions. No, and it uses up much needed in that case, oxygen.
0: Yeah.
1: So
2: you need to regulate yourself and and you know, use it sparingly. So
1: that was another one, the cold. Like especially interesting because you're in the chair for like I want to say 75% of the movie or something like that. And you still maintain the intensity and keep it really fucking interesting. But like yeah, but when you're going through that like shaft toward I guess you're trying to fix the coolant system or something. And like you're doing the cold like that people don't realize that's hard man that's really hard to do to get that cold for real and to, to make it yeah believable. and also to
2: to sell it it was i mean those it was amazing too because that was all old school you know filmmaking like the sets were built by tony noble who did moon oh, oh nice. cool which was like it's that's incredible yeah, and that's light everything it's light all real so cool you know, and spaceships built out of planter boxes, spray painted, turned upside down, that with a light flashing on it like it's old school filmmaking. Yeah. You know, which was 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 fun and exciting and challenging. And yeah. that was so many years ago. I mean, that's what I'd love to do again. Like I'm always like people are like you work all the time. It seems like I work all the time, but I don't. I mean, I just, you know, I wish I was. I wish I was I'd be a different person. If I was working five days a week, I would love it. I just worked, you know, up in Snowpiercer the week before coming in here three days in a row. And I was a different human being for better or for worse. I wish I didn't rely on it so much because I do work sporadically, but I was like, I think I probably texted my manager to say, this is all I'm is, is this so fucking hard to just want three days, three days a week, I would be happy like because I work maybe two days a week and then I don't work for two weeks and then I work for a day or two, not complaining, yeah. but I would much, like I would love to, to experience. That's why that film was great. Cause I was five days a week, every day. And I was just in a different headspace. And, and, and that's what amazes me with actors that do work every day. I'm always blown away that they're not either better, excuse me, actors because you're working every day i always equate like acting with sports i'm coming from an athletic background well actually i started in theater and then went to sports and then went back to the acting but if you do something every day like i cycled here now if i i cycle every day at the end of six weeks I'd better be stronger. And like, it's funny because my, my outfit in Snowpiercer. So when I went back, it's a very, very tight. My legs, my, everyone seems to put me in like super tight outfits, but my fucking pants are so tight because my legs have gotten so much bigger from cycling so much.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's a muscle. Acting is the same thing. Yeah, And if you're fucking doing it five days a week and two months later, you're the same actor, that's sad. Then you look at some action, 10 years have been busy. And they're still the same actor. It's like how you can't or don't have the desire or to challenge yourself. A lot of the shows I understand are you you're in a box. You can only do certain things. Like I like the walking dead. Great example of when, you know, my character started to obviously have this sort of a confrontation with Jeffrey and Negan. And there was a scene of, he puts me on my knees or he. you, Negan comes over and gets Simon to kneel, which is never a good sign. Um, and he has the bat up. And so when we were doing the blocking and the camera rehearsal stuff, my instinct was I went down on my knees right in front of him, hands behind the back, looking at him, looking up at him. I just, because that was Simon's thing. I was like, okay, smash my fucking head in. You're going to look at me. You're gonna fucking meet me in the eyes and then smash my head in. Go, do it, do it, big man. You know, like that was the whole thing. That was some sort of thing. And all right, Stephen, interesting choice. No, you're not doing that though. (laughs) Nobody faces Negan. Okay. Uh, Interesting. So you know you're in a box, but that's and so I guess there are cases where yeah, you kind of have to stick. But my, I I would, I would hope and pray that if I have the opportunity one day to be five days a week to be, I don't have to be number one on the call sheet, or I mean, I think I make a a good leader and a good captain. And I think I, I would, you know, I could carry a set or a show, um, but that would be something I would, I would hope that I would be able to, you know, become a better actor, and I'll try different things, and challenge, and just see what works. I mean, Snowpiercer is fun because I, I do sort of, and even with Simon, I am given in Westworld too. They, I've always been very lucky to be allowed a certain uh, grace with my characters, and and go to places that uh, maybe some people don't want to go or don't want to try, but I like to try stuff.
0: Yeah
2: even if it is sometimes a little bigger, because like I said, there are people that are bigger in life. So in any world, why can't there be someone who's a little more animated or just something different? Cause we're all different.
0: What is that? What is the muscle that you work out if you get the chance five days a week, you know, is it an emotional muscle? Is it being practicing, being like, present, like in, in here, I think it is. It's, it's,
2: it's present. And it's something that again, sort of going back to, to Xander, how we, we connected initially through Xander is, you know, Xander's a very present actor. And when you're present, you can do different things. Like when people say they don't want to run lines before, or, you know, I want to save it for the take save what good acting for the, Don't you want to practice good acting like because your take might be better if you practice I'm just saying again it's like a muscle right it's like yeah. a muscle so I would just want to each time is an opportunity to practice and to get better and to be yeah more present and to and to pick up on something else and to try to affect differently and be affected differently and I think that all is under the umbrella of presence being in the moment um, cause it's an odd thing with acting, right? It's everything's false mm. and you're just trying to be real. And a lot of times you feel so present and you hear that a lot. Like I was really present in that scene, which is odd because in life, day to day life, we should be really present, but we aren't yet when we're given a line and we, we try to make it, Really land and stick on someone to really be in the moment. It's weird, mm-hmm. yeah. And being in the moment is is. I can remember again the acting coach in New York that used to say, you know, don't, you know, if you take the metro or the subway up, you know, you shouldn't be listening to music and stuff in your headphones. You know, you should always be studying humans and reactions. I'm like, fuck that, especially in New York, like. It's too much for me. I can't take in everyone and everyone's energy. It's too much. So I listen to music to to Zona and that keeps me present and in the moment more than being, you know, in the moment. Yeah. But then when you're acting, you kind of do want to just be present Mm -hmm. with someone, but that's all it is, is just being like, Again, really taking someone in, and yeah. and and are you doing something different? And you should be. You do a take ten times, and it's been for me like again coming from crying like a baby earlier. Um, I am proud of when I've had directors, even Snowpiercer, which you know. When it comes you know, in 2020, they say, so next year, hopefully, once we finished season six uh, in summer of 2030, when Snowpiercer premieres, um, having, you know, seen the first 10 episodes, I, you know, not watched all of it, but people commenting on my work of, or even not just seeing the show, but watching dailies and directors saying, you know, what's great is I saw three different things from you on each take good. Then that means as far as I'm concerned, I'm doing my job. If they're seeing three different things, I'm trying yeah. different things all the time. Might not always work. Like I know Snowpiercer. They have, I've been told that, you know, some of the stuff that I wanted that I did has not been chosen. They chose the other take, which, you know, as an actor, if you want to manipulate, you just do the same thing over and over and you have no choice. That's one way of doing things. I tried different things with this character, which unfortunately, they didn't go for, and they've made it into, I shouldn't say more of a stock character, but I think more of just what they wanted the character to be, as opposed to what I wanted the character to be. Yeah. Again, you have no control over yeah, that. Like you said, not an actor's, uh, it's not an actor's medium, yeah. but yeah. you keep trying and you try different things. It doesn't always work. But again, a good director will say, good for you. You're not doing that. <laughs> exactly. You know, yeah. but that's what a good director, should be there for is to, to guide you and direct you and allow you, you know, as of directors that, they, you know, I'm, I'm happy with that take. If you want to do another one, we can do one. Or just try it your way. Totally. Just try something you want to first take know, right? give a shot.
0: That's for the actor, Give the actor, the first take, let them do what they want. Mm-hmm.
2: It's always, I think it gives people confidence and, mm-hmm. you know, you want to try something. It's, it's fun. It's good to do. Yeah. We watched a lot of
1: your, um, sorry, a lot of your short films actually in uh, preparation. Some great films you did. I mean, some really tight shorts specifically. There was one called disgrace. Oh, the father. Yeah. Yeah. I really, I was really moved by that
2: performance by the film itself. Yeah. He was great. Casey. I think he lives in LA. The director. Yeah. The writer and director. he just, you know, came up with this really powerful little, I mean, not like the short films I love. I, I haven't done them again in a while, which drives me nuts. Done some
1: good ones. Um, out there is another really good one. You have a smaller part in that. Yeah. That was really well done. But, um, the disgrace really stayed with me. Actually. I was really moved by the relationship with you and, and, and the kid. Yeah. It, it was moved. quite a, quite a heavy thing. And you fun. You've got this thing you do. Cause there's a moment when, um, and then sort of the middle of the film, when you, you start to yell at him, um, I don't want to give too much away because I hope people actually seek the film out to watch it. It's free on YouTube. Um, like you, even when you explode, even when you, when you let it all go, you're still relaxed and most actors don't have that, you know, it's either, you know, they just explode or they, they overdo it and you're like really calm and it's, and present even when you're losing your shit. It's nice to see. Mm. Um, Thanks. Question though, did you, when you were starting out, did you always have access to your emotions this way or did you have to train to get there?
2: Um, No, I mean, I always, you know, it is just, It's. I mean, acting, it's play, right? It is play. Um, And I think, you know, like I said, I think I've just always been this way. Like, so I, I never... I never think like in a scene of the, uh, the emotionality of it, Mm because that's just the life that you have. So like, I have a lot going on in me, so I don't think about if it's coming up or not. Um, it just exists in me. Um, and so I've never, I mean, I just, I literally look at it like, you know, doing theater growing up and being a British soldier. You, I just, you just do it like, um, I was, you know, I never, I never did study acting aside from in New York, uh, an acting coach for a while. And, and who'd you study with? Ellen Savage was his name and it was upper East side. And it was amazing. Like Garrett Dillahunt, um, Norm Lewis. Um, there was a lot of, he was Mr. Fix it on Broadway. So there was always that like, you know, musical theater actor versus us real actors you know it was always that <laughs> jabbing each other for like yeah you can show me how to sing and i'll show you how to act um but it was you know it was it was that was you know a fun time and i love you know when you were mentioning the the man you studied with and i was thinking like god it'd be fun to prior to going up to vancouver for snowpiercer i was like i should I just, Get in a class again, like just because I love the doing. I love, yeah. you know, I've always loved the dramaturg. I love the, it doesn't really change, I think, the way the character takes a piss unless they piss a certain way than it does. But it's just fun, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, doing the research, like with Solus, like reading about astronauts. And yeah, there's things in that case, like regulating your breathing that actually helps. But a lot of it is just, excuse me. It's just fun. Yeah. It's fun because I love to read. I love to learn. I love to challenge myself. So it's more about that, um, than study. And I mean, that's why again, like I'd love to, you know, even with the snow season two is the first time I worked on a character, like built a character for season two, just backstory in my own head or what it's like, because again, it takes place on a train. They've been on it for seven years. What does that do to someone? Especially the tailies, which are at the back of the train where bunk beds, it's, it's like it's prison. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. The psychology, who, who it breaks, who it doesn't break. What happened? Like people go insane. You look at the case, Malcolm Gladwell's new book, uh, the stranger talking with strangers in the case of the woman, uh, in Texas who killed herself after three days in prison. Now, here was someone who, as it turns out, had attempted suicide in her past. She had emotional issues. There were things that obviously were, but you don't know any of that. All you know is she was pulled over for not signaling, things escalated, she's thrown in jail, and she kills herself. Point being, the mind is a fragile thing and can be set off at different times for different reasons. So I was kind of interested in creating a story of like what happened to this man for seven years on the train. Did he break? When did he break? Why did he break? Because people do. And reading about these and re- like when you never have time to go to the bathroom or how are people working out? You know, I mean, you could just do some pushups mm-hmm. and some yoga in a space this big, but next to each other, like it's going to fucking get on your nerves or something's going to happen. So it first time that I sort of had, that was fun to do is to create some sort of narrative for myself, which again, I say all this now. And then I think about last week when I was shooting, did I did any of that in my performance? No, probably not. Probably a lot got in though.
1: I mean, it gets in.
2: You in hope its own way. so. Because it's something I've talked to Graham about that I'm like, you know, I don't know. Do people think about this? The fact that we've been on a train for seven fucking years. Like, there, you know, it should be. Again, I get my character is a bit, you know, gets to play the impulsive nature of maybe someone who's have some issues. But I look at it from a place of that's what would happen, you know? I mean, totally i think would drive you crazy but and i wanted to actually work on it like with an acting coach last year which i never ended up doing um because i love all that i love that work yeah i love the craft i mean i do love i love the written word i love words and um it's it's not about perfecting a performance like when you ask about what would what would be the thing you would want if you got to do five days a week it's just to get better like that's that's the goal even more than maybe being in the moment is i don't know what comes first the chicken or the egg but it is that getting better by doing it i love like this bike ride this 20 mile bike ride i do you know was an hour and 45 i do it now in an hour and 20. because i've i've done it numerous times and that to me is like, good job. You've gotten bigger, faster, stronger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what I'm always going for. Even reading a new book or picking up something else to read. It's like, because I want to get better. I want to better myself. Mm-hmm. Full circle to Henry Miller saying, life should be lived like it's art. And that's what I try to do with my life is and put into my work and try to give to people, be it in life or in a performance, is milk that teat.